Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, uh, back with thoughts on WWE Survivor Series and then uh, some thoughts on Vince McMahon's Golden Egg. And uh, those are four words, I guess, I did not expect to be putting together on a wrestling podcast in 2021, but here we are. And uh, let's first jump into Survivor Series, which I know by now uh, lots of people have, have either seen or kind of looked at the feedback on the show, and uh, I wanted to wait, quite honestly, to see how the Vince McMahon egg mystery played out, and now that we know that, uh, we can talk a little bit more about Survivor Series itself. Um, again, since I, I know most people have probably uh, either watched the show, uh, read about it, kind of know what happened at this point since Raw has already taken place, but uh, let's just discuss uh, some of the bigger takeaways from it. Uh, of course, it started with the pre-show match, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura winning by DQ against Damian Priest. Uh, I think that, you know, to have a show on Survivor Series, a champion versus champion match, start with the DQ uh, is always something that's going to give you a little hesitation. I think if you're someone who's watched WWE and knowing that, as I mentioned before, they, they do kind of book, them, book themselves into a corner sometimes with really not being able to get out of some of these finishes. I thought that with doing the DQ finish with Nakamura and Priest, uh, perhaps we could have a repeat of that uh, with another match we'll talk about here in a second, but it didn't happen, and really this was the the only one that didn't feel like, um, you know, they came across as sort of a, I don't say a screwy finish, but uh, it was just more of your, your basic non-finish. But clearly they have a lot of, you know, trust in Damian Priest at this point, and I think you start to see where his character goes from here. Uh, that was the biggest takeaway uh, from that match. Of course, the main show starts off, with a match that had been rumored to potentially be in that main event slot. And that was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. And I thought this was, you know, this was one of the better matches I think in WWE this year. Uh, and maybe, you know, to some people that's overrating it, but um, this one went, you know, about 18, 19 minutes. And I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's going to be the match of the year in WWE, but this was presented as two people who did not like each other. And we know sort of the, the animosity behind the scenes and, and everything that kind of happened with that segment on SmackDown. And really, I thought both were were excellent in their their media tour leading up to Survivor Series. And I thought it just made for, again, that tense feel that you want in a high-stakes sort of wrestling match between the two. Um, and, and it came across that way, and I thought that they really played well off of each other. Uh, I thought just the gear, the gear was awesome for both. Just kind of, you know, you have just sort of the way that they played off of each other and um, I just, yeah, I thought this was exactly what it needed to be. Um, and when you just, you look at these two, I know Charlotte Flair gets a lot of sort of hate sometimes, um, you know, for, for various reasons and fans will have their different reasons, I suppose, on why that is, but she delivers in so many big matches and certainly that's not to take anything away from Becky Lynch, um, who, you know, I thought did a great job of just playing off of her, you know, and, and we said this, you know, with Becky and, her character, you know, she's almost had to play two different characters in the build of Survivor Series, um, you know, with sort of the bully going up against Liv Morgan, but then kind of playing the hero against Charlotte Flair. And, um, you know, it's Becky beating Charlotte her own game here. And then, of course, on the next night, Becky goes back to, to trying to, to make the fans boo her. That's just going to be a hard thing to do, I think, especially when you saw the emotion involved in this match and really that post-match, um, I guess, backstage exclusive or whatever they did. I thought, again, was very, it was excellent. Um, it just kind of showed the emotions with Becky, and she seemed like a full-on babyface after that match. But uh, the next night, that changes with their approach. But 
this was to, to me this was the best thing on the show without question i particularly did not think it was that close um this was just you know again what it needed to be given the the storyline going into it and given what we know about the relationship between the two um they they were excellent here and uh yeah i think this is one that definitely again i'm sure a lot of you have watched this but if you haven't uh, and you're trying to just maybe pick your matches from this card uh this is one at the very top and quite frankly maybe the the only thing that really you you know you kind of look at feel like is just must watch on this show uh which after that uh we went into the men's match uh, survivor series elimination match which this was probably you know also the second best thing on the show uh when you just kind of look at at everything i think with how it played out there was a lot in this i mean they certainly got time it was about 30 minutes i think and you know it was kind of your usual survivor series build i think in terms of how they they put everything together you know and we can obviously have our frustrations with how this match was put together and the brand supremacy thing and everything but they didn't go overboard here with the whole brand supremacy aspect i mean pat mcafee on commentary probably did the majority of that on the night uh, so i was i was at least fine with that i thought that you know again i just look at the whole concept of brand supremacy and find it to be really one of the most ridiculous concepts in the history of the company, just based on uh, how many people have been on Raw and SmackDown and how recent some of those switches were in the WWE draft. But, you know, I thought it was a nice touch to have Kevin Owens just walk out when the match starts. He had played it up on the kickoff show that he was going to, you know, finally be a team player and he's just going to, you know, let everybody know that he's going to have their backs and make up for, for what he's done and all this. And he just walks out in the the bad news, bad news Brown uh, spot. And, you know, you're always going to have someone that seemingly does that. But um, this was this was a match that, I mean, with all the talent involved, you, again, know that you're going to kind of get some of the um, different scenarios that play out in terms of finishes. Some people are going to be protected, and you saw that here in this match um, with just, you know, how, how they protect certain talent. But, you know, really the most... I mean, Seth Rollins getting the win, I don't think is a huge surprise. Uh, I think that's just one that, you know, with Rollins, he is someone that he's a top star. And, and him being the one to survive this match, um, not really a surprise here. And when you look at kind of how they did some of the other parts of this, um, you know, with the eliminations and such, again, I just don't think that it's really that surprising. I mean, we know kind of with Lashley and McIntyre, they were kind of in those protected spots of, you know, we don't we don't want to beat these guys, but we don't necessarily either want them to be the sole survivors here either. So uh, we're just going to do, you know, how they did with, with that. And uh, I mean, really, the, the biggest thing I thought stood out in this match was Jeff Hardy in terms of just his overness. I mean, my goodness, the crowd was really into this with Jeff Hardy. And, and maybe, you know, that does lead to him being the person to challenge Reigns next um, heading into the, the day one pay-per-view in the 1st of January, perhaps, I think that's an, a logical scenario because then you've got the rumble after that and you start your road to WrestleMania. So my guess is, you know, if someone like McIntyre or someone else, Brock or whoever, they're probably going to hold that off until after that. But I mean, Jeff is, is very over right now. I mean, his popularity is just, it's it's incredible um, when you just think of the crowd reaction here. And had he won this match, I mean, you know, the roof could have come off the place, but uh, it is Rollins getting the win. And Everyone just goes back to doing their thing after this match uh, on each brand. And obviously there was some follow-up to it on Raw with uh, certain people involved in this match. But we'll get to that uh, shortly. Uh, then came the 25-man uh, Battle Royal, which was uh, essentially a sponsorship for Pizza Hut. And by the way, we're going to save all the um, 
the Vince McMahon egg stuff until we until we get to uh, later, and we'll also kind of tie that, tie that into what we saw on Raw. But uh, the Pizza Hut Battle Royal uh, was won by Omas, and I mean, when Omas was in the match, when I looked at the participants, I said, all right, well, you know who's winning this one, because um, I was pretty clear they were going to have Omas win this thing. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense for what they're trying to do with Omas and what direction they're headed in. Uh, you got the big man sort of stare off between Omas and, and Shanky. Um, and, you know, throughout the match, th- there were your usual spots, uh, people everywhere. Uh, and it was just, it's a, it's a very forgettable battle royal that, again, was seemingly uh, all about sponsoring by Pizza Hut and uh, making some Pizza Hut money, which... Good for them. I guess they're a business, and uh, that'll tie into even more of what we're going to discuss a little bit later. But uh, really did not see a whole lot to this other than, you know, Omas eliminating AJ, um, you know, but that was not intentional. Maybe that plays into something in the future. We'll see. Uh, the tag team match between the Raw Tag Champs, RK-Bro, and the Usos, uh, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Another one of those matches that, I mean, you knew what you are getting from a match quality standpoint. This was very good. Um, both these two teams have, you know, certainly had their, their backing from the fans. I mean, the Usos, as we know, just their longevity in WWE at this point, um, you know, and really you could rank them as one of the better teams, uh, in history with that longevity and what they've accomplished. Uh, but you know, when you look at RK bro, this just still is, uh, you know, whether you, you like it or not, like they are just still very over in terms of the fans and what they, uh, react to and, um, you know, for them to get the win here, I, I thought it was fine and, and it made sense, uh, I think, just to continue to give them even more uh, and add even more to sort of what this group has been able to accomplish. I think everyone's still waiting. You know, is Orton ever going to make that turn? How is this going to play out uh, with RK Pro? But for now, I mean, the WWE tag team division is what it is, I think, both with the men and women. Um, but, you know, they, they've sort of got them as a group and uh, that is just where things stand as of now. So, um, you know, again, a very, from a quality standpoint, this is a great match. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of stakes involved. It's just sort of a, you know, it's a cold match that you have to have because this is what the pay-per-view entails. Uh, you, you put these matches together. It is sort of a fresh one here when you look at, uh, maybe just how these four interacting, but a good match. But like I said, I mean, they both go back to their brands. There's really no, um, you know, consequences from this of really any means. And so, uh, yeah, they both head back to their separate brands and still are the tag team champions. Uh, the women's Survivor Series elimination match. I just did not love this. Um, I think just the whole, the whole thing and the booking of this was just really, really odd. I think for maybe the best way to put it. And the fact that this did go 24 minutes and, and give them credit. I mean, they gave them time and I know people have Sort of made the joke that this match was longer than the entire uh, Queen's Crown tournament, which I mean you can't, you know I don't I don't know what the minutes are, the exact seconds, but I assume that is true and pretty close, uh, one way or the other. But you know I mean this was really all built up to have Bianca Belair come out on top and and make her the sole survivor after being down four one, uh, and then just you know you have your dissension between Team SmackDown and Bianca takes advantage of that and gets the win. Even though, you know, she does overcome the odds here of four to one, it's still to me just feel, and this may just be a personal observation on my part, and and many people may feel different, but I still think back to the SummerSlam scenario with with Becky and Bianca, and 
how that played out. And I still just don't think that, you know, that has done a whole lot of good for Bianca. And maybe this was sort of that makeup spot where it's like, all right, we know what happened at SummerSlam. We're going to make up for it here. You're just going to run through the entire SmackDown side. Um, you know, pretty much everyone, not four of the five. Um, and, and maybe that's sort of seen as a way to build her back up. And, and again, she's still one of the most over women on the roster, but I don't know. It just, it feels like there's been something missing since that match against Becky and how that played out at SummerSlam. Uh, and we discussed that on the podcast. I mean, we discussed sort of the issues with it and, and seeing how it would play out. I don't know that, you know, because again, she never really got the upper hand on Becky after that. Um, so it does feel like she, even though she's pushed as a top star and, and winning this match shows that, um, it's still just, I don't know, there's something missing. And again, maybe that's just a personal thing, uh, for me, just looking at it from, from the outside and wondering, but you know, maybe I'm not alone there either. Maybe there are others who've kind of viewed it that way. I mean, really this match, the Sasha count out was just, I'm sorry, but it just made no sense. So when Sasha was clearly not counted out and that was kind of one of those, um, head scratching results that, uh, yeah, you just didn't really expect, I guess, when, you know, Rhea Ripley was pretty much pinned cleanly when you just looked at, um, you know, how that played out with her. And so that was kind of surprising, but it does seem like they're setting Rhea back up for singles action, of course, after, uh, she and Nikki ASH lost the tag titles on Raw. So there's clearly, you know, setting that back up to get Rhea re- ready for a big match against likely Becky at some point, you would think whether that's the Royal Rumble, um, whether that's eventually, you know, at a WrestleMania, who knows, but uh, that does seem like something uh, that's a possibility down the road. You know, for Liv Morgan here, it just felt like Liv Morgan just really just getting eliminated kind of in the match, and, and you know, she's the next big challenger for Becky, and I don't know if this did a whole lot for her to kind of get her set up for that spot either, so I think that was a little disappointing probably for me, just, I mean, really it didn't, there was not a whole lot to this, but um, yeah, Tony Storm, I thought looked good. I thought that, you know, I just, it depends on how they're going to use her. Like, that's just one of the things. I mean, she got a good reaction. I thought she looked good in the ring. Uh, but are they going to use her or does this just become, we had to put all these people in this match. And now once you go back to your separate brands, you're kind of slotted back where you're slotted. Uh, and we'll see with Tony Storm because I think she's got a lot of potential and I know everyone's kind of talked about that since she was called up in July or whatever. It's just has not really been put in a whole lot of spots to have that opportunity. So we'll see uh, if that's the case with her. And then uh, to the main event, which was Big E versus Roman Reigns, uh, the champion versus champion match. I mean, this is another one that, you know, I said going into it, we did our uh, 4-1 Wrestling Fact or Fiction article on the site. And I said, I I thought this would be something that you would have some sort of shenanigans. I mean, I thought that it would not be a clean win for Reigns here. I didn't know exactly what that would do for Reigns basically two years in a row. I mean, he beat Drew McIntyre last year. I think that was sort of the, um, that was the submission. I think he made Drew just sort of basically a pass out submission last year uh, in the, the Survivor Series match that they had, the champion versus champion one. With this one, I was a little surprised that it was as clean as it was uh, to have Reigns just beat Big E. Um, And and I don't, I mean, I think the match was fine, but I don't think the match by any means was great. I don't think it was probably one you're going to remember very much. Um, You know, when you compare it to some of the other main events, perhaps even this year, uh, I just don't, I don't know that it really ever got to that next gear. And and I think the reason could be what we're going to talk about here shortly when we transition into the next part. Um, is I think that it just, it never got there. And I think the crowd either was, you know, worn out by this point or whatever the reasoning was, 
Um, it just never got to that next level. And I, again, I, I am a little surprised that, that they made this as clean as they made it. Maybe I shouldn't have been because with Reigns, I mean, we know how he's been booked. He's been booked as a dominant champion for you know a year plus now. And I just thought that there was a possibility, though, that even if you have Reigns win, maybe there's some sort of interference involved, uh, something like that. But uh, I just I don't really know you know what this does for Reigns other than just give him another win. When I think you know on another scenario, you could have pushed this in Biggie's favor a little bit because I don't think Biggie just having a good match with Roman Reigns is necessarily going to do anything for Big E. Like, I don't think you come out of that feeling one way or the other about Big E uh, than you did going into it. Like, I feel like you're at the sort of the same spot. And so maybe that's my issue with it. I think they could have maybe found a better way to sort of elevate Big E in that scenario because now, you know, you just go back to your same setup. Like, Big E just goes back to Raw, and now he's back to, you know, having challengers with Seth Rollins and Owens and those guys. Uh, Roman just goes back to SmackDown and he'll await his next challenger, you know, on Friday on, on SmackDown. So that is probably my only disappointment with it uh, because they did just establish Big E as this new champion. And I think they could have done a little more, a little bit more uh, to maybe push that here and, and to give him a little bit more uh, of something coming out of this. But um, it wasn't just a clean win for Roman Reigns. And that is probably a good way to transition into what I think is just more of the bigger talking points coming out of Survivor Series. And really, it was the entire show being based around The Rock and looking at the highlights and sort of the background and the history of The Rock's 20, you know, fifth anniversary here at Survivor Series. And the way they played it up, you've got all these video packages um, in the main event. As I just said, you had you had Roman Reigns hitting the rock bottom, uh, which is another one of those things that just sort of comes out of nowhere. Of course, you've got the interaction between Reigns and Vince, which starts the whole, you know, egg mystery. And all of that combined, I think that it certainly gave you the impression that even if The Rock was not going to be at the show, there was going to be something involving The Rock on the show. And that brings me to another point, because I saw a lot of people after Survivor Series saying that, well, we all knew, we all knew that The Rock wasn't going to be there because of his filming schedule. He's in Australia or whatever, and um, everybody knew he wasn't going to be there. That, I think, is something that sometimes we, we maybe forget. That, you know, for me, obviously, you know, doing work that I do on a wrestling website, we cover those kind of stories and we know that, okay, we we have a good understanding of what The Rock's schedule is because these, you know, we report news and we see things uh, that add up and you're like, all right, so you don't really ever set that expectation. And I know fans, you know, who do that, who who are on social media, who read wrestling websites, they can see that news too and sort of consume it. And there certainly is a very large fan base that does that. But on the flip side, I don't think you can take for granted that everyone knows that The Rock isn't going to be there. And and I would be willing to guess that there are a lot of fans that don't necessarily, you know, consume themselves with that sort of depth of news and have that understanding that The Rock is not going to be there. And I think that is something that you always run a risk in this scenario of if you have fans there, and like I said, I mean, who knows what the number is, right? Like, we, we could make a guess, but we honestly have no idea. Um, who knows what the number of people in the crowd at the Barclays Center, who knows what the number of people who are watching Survivor Series, um, who knows what that number is of people that honestly have no idea that there is any conflict that could prevent The Rock from being at the show. So you are set with the expectation that he is going to be there. And 
once you get to the end of the show, because you do have Roman Reigns and Big E, and I know there was a lot of reports about the match kind of swapping the order of the matches. So initially, perhaps the thought was that you were going to put Reigns and Big E on first with the idea, and this was one of the reports I saw out there. I think it was, um, I don't remember, I don't want to say because I don't want to get it wrong, but I know there was a report out there about sort of the, the, the swap of the match where you would have put Roman and Big E on first, Charlotte and Becky on last, with the thought that if you put Roman and Big E on first, you essentially get it out of the way and everyone sort of knows that you're probably not getting the rock. But because you use the entire show to build it up and build up that anticipation, you get to the end of the show, I think most of the people are probably sitting there thinking, okay, like this guy's going to be here at some point. Or if not, like maybe you get a video. Um, I, I just, I think that was a risk that you run, but here's the deal. <laughs> like the deal is that there was a deal, of course, with the whole red notice thing. And, you know, that whole scenario, I mean, clearly there was some sort of, you know, financial incentive for WWE to push some of the stuff, obviously involving the red notice stuff. Um, But, you know, they also take it a step further with everything that kind of comes along with that, right? And of course, it was just in the the opening video package. You knew from the beginning, like there was going to be elements of that being pushed on the show. And certainly there were, again, financial reasons for doing so. But I just think it runs such a big risk, especially at a place like the Barclays Center, where you probably do have a lot of fans in attendance that, you know, do maybe have, uh, you know, that kind of understanding. You have more of your hardcore fan base, maybe, that travels for a show like this. And maybe compared to, you know, recent years, that number is a little bit different um, just based on the popularity of the company. Uh, Who knows? And I think that's something, too, that can be questioned. But it was just, it was a big risk, I think, to to do that and and know by the end, you know, there were people, again, who probably had no idea that there was any sort of conflict with the Rock schedule. You're basically set up to believe that he's going to be on the show. And I think that's what, you know, not just this scenario, but I think in, in a lot of different scenarios, I sometimes have to keep that in mind and remember that, oh, wait, just because I know this is the case there is probably a large amount of people who don't necessarily know that and don't, you know, consume themselves with, with as much news or backstage insight uh, and feel like that, you know, you know, everything's going to happen. Like they, there were probably a lot of people that were disappointed that The Rock was not there. And I think that in hindsight, it, it is weird to think of putting Roman Reigns versus Big E or champion versus champion match on first on the show. But to be honest, in hindsight, the best match was the first match on this card, and that was Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. And the way it all played out, I mean, I think you could have just flipped, you could have flipped it really, and it probably would have been the better option um, to avoid any of that disappointment because I think the expectation would have been set that if you don't get the Rock coming out of the gate, even if you do all the highlight packages and everything as you go throughout the show you pretty much know at that point your main event is the the women's championship match and and there's no reason for the rock to show up there. So I just think that that was probably the issue with everything there. And certainly, you know, the whole, everything surrounding the rock had to do with uh, Vince McMahon mentioning from the start. And we have had a lot of Vince McMahon on WWE programming uh, in the past 48 hours because um, he is, he's not, I don't think he's back. Uh, I think he was back for this, this whole golden egg thing. Uh, but that is where this, this golden egg, um, has really become its own, uh, entity at this point. 
of course, the whole scenario of someone stealing the egg at Survivor Series, um, and Vince talking about how The Rock gave it to him and, and all this other stuff. And then it plays out on Raw, uh, where, talk about disappointment, like I just, it's one of those things where I think about it, if you really look at WWE's history with the whodunits, I don't think their track record's that great. And the one I think that stands out for a lot of people um, is the, the whole Rikishi, who did it for The Rock. Now, if Rikishi had been the one that had come out with his golden egg, I would have been thrilled. Like, I, I think that would have been a great sort of, you know, callback to that. And uh, I don't think Rikishi would have been getting a championship match against Big E, but I do think maybe, you know, play it off as a joke or something, that's fine. Uh, but WWE's history with the, these who've done it has not been great. Um, you know, whether it's Vince McMahon is the higher power or um, the what, anonymous GM, any of this stuff, like they're not great sometimes with the mysteries. Uh, so Vince's idea to do the, the mystery theater here doesn't necessarily come off great from just how the story played out with Austin Theory being the one uh, to, to just, I guess, have it and take a selfie with it. Um, it was very sort of deflating, I think, from from probably people who are just watching casually or, or being like, hey, you got to, you know, a friend tells you you got to tune in because there's this big egg mystery on Raw. Well, that in and of itself is a statement that's going to get your attention uh, because you have no idea probably what they're talking about. But if you are invested, you're like, wait a second. Um, this was Austin Theory and Vince McMahon, who's so angry about this egg being stolen, is now going to not only get the egg back, but when he gets it back, he's going to get the person who took it and give him a championship match. The whole thing made no sense. <laughs> but here's what, here's what I see that WWE probably sees. They got a ratings boost out of it. Their raw rating was up. Uh, viewership was up. The, I think the uh, key demo, 18 to 49. For those who care about those kind of things, I think it was up like nearly 18%. So what does that mean? Are we going to get more Vince McMahon egg mysteries moving forward? Are we going to get more Vince McMahon mysteries moving forward? I mean, I don't, I don't know what this is going to do, but I think Vince McMahon is such a fascinating figure that this whole egg mystery to me was like an experiment because every time it seems like they put Vince McMahon on television... And especially if it's sort of a, a scheduled appearance, the way that it was. Like, you knew Vince McMahon was going to be on Raw because they told you so on Survivor Series. Vince McMahon is such a fascinating figure. And I think there are a lot of people that if, if they announce one night that Vince McMahon's going to come out and eat a steak, you know, with, with ketchup or whatever it is he does, in the middle of the ring on Raw, I think you would have a lot of people who maybe don't watch Raw normally would tune in for that. Because I think Vince McMahon is just such a, a unique figure, not just in WWE world, but in like business, in, in everything. Like he is just such this, uh, I guess the best like mysterious figure. Like there's a lot of things that you just look at Vince and again, he's Vince McMahon. And I, I don't know if this is a good precedent moving forward, uh, because the ratings did go up and I would not be shocked at all if we start to get some sort of, um, you know, I don't know, some kind of mystery, um, treasures, like all sorts of stuff. Moving forward, uh, because I, you know, that is part of the, I uh, think, what is it, Eric Bischoff always talks about, sort of the the episodic nature of television and what he tried to do with Nitro and so kind of build in a reason to get people to come back the following week. And WWE does that now, but not to the extent of kind of having one of these elements that isn't necessarily wrestling related by having this big egg chase, which I just, I mean, you had all these people running around in the back looking for this egg. It felt like the egg, I said it on Twitter, was the 24-7 title. 
just a, a wild, wild scene uh, on Raw with this this egg mystery. But like I said, it boosted a rating. I have no idea what this means for WWE moving forward. Um, and it was also, you know, the, the fallout of a big pay-per-view. So that, you know, is probably for the, you know, kind of a normal thing anyways for them to have a boost in viewership. But the fact that they really did this with this egg and it became, you know, it's kind of took over social media. I mean, it got people talking and I mean, we're talking about it, right? Like we've spent 10 minutes talking about this, this egg. And that is not something that I, I thought that we would be doing uh, coming out of a wrestling Survivor Series pay-per-view. But WWE is a media entity at this point. Uh, they say it all the time. They are sports entertainment. Um, this is not necessarily the professional wrestling. They're probably a lot of people, whether you're a fan of the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, whatever, it's much different. And it is clear, you know, whether it's the NXT rebrand, whether it's all these WWE releases, or whether it's Vince McMahon's egg, there are just a lot of changes that are simply taking place in WWE right now. And um, this is a company that looks much different than it used to. And so I can't say anything surprises me anymore. Um, maybe Vince McMahon returns to television on a regular basis uh, because they see that there is a ratings boost. But um, I, I don't know. I think that this is just something coming out of Survivor Series the whole deal with The Rock, which we'll talk about on another episode, it's clearly going to build to a match between Roman Reigns and The Rock at some point, whether that's this year at WrestleMania, whether that's next year at WrestleMania. Um, it's going to be on the cards at some point when they can make that happen. Uh, and I think that's why they did this at Survivor Series, because they wanted to drop that hint that we're going to give that to you. But I think to kind of overwhelm people the way they did it uh, on one show, probably led you to believe it was going to happen sooner rather than later. And I think it's probably going to happen later rather than sooner at this point. So that was the risk that you run with that. But Survivor Series, from an in-ring standpoint, I thought a fine show. Uh, but uh, it is just the the nature of the card itself and the whole brand supremacy thing. It just brings its own challenges, I think, into you know what the expectations are. And we're, we're not really talking a lot about Survivor Series coming out of it. We're talking about this this egg and uh Vince McMahon has found his golden egg all is happy in the world um and yeah we'll see what happens here moving forward with uh WWE so there are some thoughts on Survivor Series and the great egg mystery uh and uh yeah you can leave your thoughts on that over at 41mania.com uh be sure to check out all of our news columns reviews it's all there uh, i put the link to all of our Survivor Series reviews in the show notes, you can check those out. We got four of them, so be sure to check those out. Uh, let everybody know what you think about the show, and uh, you can also leave your comments on our latest uh, raw reviews uh, about the the egg and the eventual reveal of the culprit. Uh, and uh, as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for four one one on wrestling, and uh, leave us a nice five star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. We'll have a lot more. Coming up here on the podcast, uh, Steve Cook will be back joining us uh, here soon, and uh, we will also uh, continue to look at everything going on in the world of wrestling. We'll probably do some of our uh, looking back at some of uh, some retro shows as we've been doing over the past several months as well. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. And as always, uh, we will have the link for the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family in the show notes. So be sure to continue to share and contribute to that if you can. 
and uh, everything else, 411mania.com. But uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Thank you.